This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hey, movie lovers, grab your passport because we're heading to Italy as we dissect Call Me By Your Name. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. Ladies and gentlemen, we have Army Hammer and Timothée Chalamet in this romance story that takes place in good old Italy, based on a novel of the same name. That's what we're talking about. And we have Marissa Serafini here to talk about it with me. Hello, everyone. And I am Phil Svitek. Missing in action from this anatomy is Dimitri Panos. Fear not, he will be back. Yes. He forgot his passport. A <laughs> uh, couple of administrative things before we get into things. Number one, welcome! Of course, welcome. If you're rejoining us, welcome back. If you haven't yet subscribed, please do so. That way you just get all the episodes automatically. You don't have to search for anything. You're kept up to date. And furthermore, a lot of you guys ask us how you guys can help us. Uh, We do this for free to you guys, and we do it with much love, as much love as we can give. And the the number one thing you guys can do is just spread the word that we're doing this to your fellow cinephile friends. And, you know, let them make their own decision. If they like us, if they don't like us, that's up to them. But let them know we're out here. (laughs) Secondly... If, if you want to follow along with our rundown, feel free in the description box. There's a PDF. Just click it, and you're able to see everything. And lastly, we, have seen that, we assume that you've seen the movie. Therefore, it is spoiler-filled. So if you haven't seen the movie, you've been warned. But we recommend that you see the movie first before listening to us. Yes, I agree. And if you haven't read the book, I said, highly suggest you read the book as well, which I do have the Common By Your Name book, right? So tweet at Serafini TV if you want to borrow her copy. <laughs> yes. Um, it's a great read, and um, it's, it's a very interesting story, and definitely how they adapted it from the book to the film. I have to start off the show by saying I enjoyed the book more than it did the film. That generally tends to be the case. Generally, yes. But I loved the book more than I did the film. But did you love or appreciate the movie? I appreciate the itself. movie. Um, I, I definitely think the movie did a great job of like having the nuances of coming of age and the first love, just everyone... Um, and the, like that understanding of how one would feel, whether it be a man or a female... Um, like towards any gender, uh, like that, that first love and like, what do you do in certain circumstances and situations? How do you handle things? Um, how emotion plays with, uh, your actions and stuff. And I think they did a good job of showing it in this film. Yeah. I, I think this movie, if it was a lot shorter, let's say by literally 30 minutes, I would have enjoyed a lot more because it would have compressed 
those emotions and I would have seen a better through line. I think things were just too elongated at times. And it, I don't want to disrespect the movie, but it felt at points like a, I was just watching a home movie where they just placed the camera and let me watch. And now part of that was conscious from a cinematography standpoint, they literally used the same lens throughout the movie. And I could tell they never went close with anything. It was quite far away. I mean, sometimes they moved the camera physically closer, but we never got too close. Right. It was a lot of static shots and with no movement whatsoever. It's just placement, wash them. And what we're watching in the film is like watching Elio's life, his day-to-day life in the summer. Not going to lie. It's actually pretty boring. (laughs) He doesn't really do much other than write, compose music, and sit next to a pool and every once in a while have his occasional bike rides. That's that makes for a fairly boring summer. Fine, simple, very simple. Do we want to? It's keep a productive wa- summer. Yeah, but- sure. Do we want to keep watching that every single day for three months? No, because that gets old real quick. And but that's the thing. This film definitely shows them literally go from the left side of the screen to the right side of the screen in real time, and it takes up our time watching it. And this is where editing does actually become effective in his storytelling. It's like, we understand what he's doing. Do we need to see everything he's doing? No. Let and me that, get at this movie. I'll what, cut it down to size. <laughs> yes. It it really affected the pacing and the feel of this film because it felt like the longest summer ever watching this film. And not in a good way. No. And that, that was the irony. It, they really wanted this movie to... To show the emotion side of it, and I think just be- because it was so long, yeah, I think I think certain things were lost. Let me ask you this: um, as far as the plot, I, I know there's various differences, but from a general plot perspective of what 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 the book is to what the movie is, are they at least spiritually aligned? Yes, yes. Um, you can. There's the the same setup where you have the the family friend that comes over. There's likeness and attraction towards each other. They spent most of the summer avoiding each other because they don't really know how they feel towards each other. And then it's near the end of the summer where they start to actually, you know, go on and like act on their emotions. And that's where the relationship part comes in. It doesn't come until later into the story, but then where the film ends, there's actually more in the book than. Um, where the film ends. The film just ends after they separate when they go into Italy, when they go on their personal trip together, and then Oliver leaves. And then we pick up a scene afterwards where we can assume a few years have passed, and now Oliver's getting married. And essentially that's where it ends, and Elio's like heartbroken. But in the book, there's actually more moments where Oliver keeps coming back to the family. Years later, years have passed, so there's like a five-year break, Ellie, uh, Oliver comes back. Then there's a 10-year break, Oliver comes back. Then a 15-year break, El- Oliver comes back. There are more moments after where the film ends, where the book picks up, and they didn't have that. Thank, you know what? Thankfully, in my mind. Yeah, thankfully. I don't. I didn't need more years tacked onto this movie. But okay, let me. So that's good to know. Here's why I asked that question because one of the things that 
and I know I'm kind of skipping ahead, and we'll, we'll backtrack, I promise. But one of the things that appealed to the director for this movie was that it was a coming-of-age story unlike any other because it it wasn't a love triangle. There wasn't uh, necessarily an outside force that spurred anything. And I'm looking at it, and I'm saying, well, no, duh. And that's what makes it somewhat boring is that we're literally just watching two guys court each other and it's fine, it's it's good, but where's the tension? Right, and also there really was, I mean, I, you can assume that there could have been a love triangle when you had the, or more so a love square, when you had Oliver's girlfriend that he was sleeping around with every, or fooling around with every once in a while, and then you had uh, Elio's girlfriend that he was fooling around with. So there was like four people in and out, but you can definitely tell that those guys didn't love those other women. So there wasn't conflict there because you knew the whole story was their attraction to each other. And in the book, the book is mainly all internal dialogue. It's all Elio's thought train. and But it's told beautifully in a narrative sense, but it's from his perspective and from like a memory type of looking back on what happened in his life and how this attraction became... Um, to be and it's it's really like a memoir type of narrative storytelling where in the film you don't get that it's really as a present day you're just watching it as it is well the interesting part they did have narration they chose not to go with narration Uh, in through my research i wasn't able to find the exact moment that they made that decision so i'd be interested to know if there was any point at which they had a cut of the movie that had narration, and then they just decided to take it out. Because in a sense, all those moments that we're talking about that are elongated of them walking from one side of the screen to the next could have quite well had narration, and maybe that worked. Mm-hmm. But when you take out the narration, now there's just a whole void unfilled. I mean, you're just watching something happen. And we've talked about it in other films and anatomies that where voiceover can be done properly and this could have been a film where voiceover could have easily worked and helped the story and the narration along with it but the, and like and there were some shots where it just stood on the the characters for way too long there was a moment where oliver is dancing there and it's like slow motion dancing like he's literally in slow-mo just like having the life of the party on the dance floor and Elio is just watching him. But the audience is watching Oliver just gyrate for a full two minutes. I'm like, okay, I get it. <laughs> He's dancing. But, like, even that, there was a quick one line in the book where, yeah, they they had fun and danced one night. But that was it. That's, like, as fast as it went. That should have been as fast as it went in, in the film. He- that could have been a moment where they, it really reflected the internal dialogue of Elio that was also in the book. Yeah, and you know what? Like when you when you adapt the book, it's it's obviously not going to be the same. I mean, we'll we'll talk about the differences and some some are more major, some are more minor, such as instead of like they were supposed to go to Rome in the book, they don't end up going in Rome. They you know, that, that would have been a lot more costly for production, so they mm-hmm. go uh, elsewhere. But where I'm getting at is I, I ha- I'm fine with those liberties. Take them because you're adapting something for a different medium by all means. I would have liked to see a little bit more 
conflict from the women love interests, if you want to call them that. Because they, you know, both were being, I don't know, you could say courted or otherwise. And so that sort of conflict of, okay... We're we're make believing in in this realm, but we truly there's there's a, there's an honesty to us that we like each other, and how do we handle that side of it? And that might be an Americanized version of it. Um, there's literally articles out there calling this the straightest gay movie ever, mm-hmm. because in particular because of how the dad reacts. And I don't have a problem with that. We'll certainly talk about that a little bit more in length. But I I just needed conflict from somewhere. Yeah, and that's interesting you brought that up where you would expect more conflict with the women and because, I mean, if you want to make comparisons like Brokeback Mountain, there was conflict with the women and and the guys who, in in that storyline too. But reading it in the book, just like the film, I will give the film that, just like the book and the film, the women in these guys' life do end up just like disappearing. They, mm-hmm. like, they're kind of written out because... There's moments where they write when they're together, but you can obviously tell that they were thinking, like Oliver and Elliot were thinking of each other when they were with the women. So the women just kind of literally phase out, and you don't think about them when you're watch when you're reading or watching them together on the screen. So it, and I think it was just because they didn't build the characters to the women characters to be in, interesting, because mm. you're more interested in Elliot and Oliver. And and I think for the book. Again, I haven't read it. You have. So in that sense, I can't speak to it 100%, but it would seem to me like from a book perspective, I don't think I would have minded it that much because it's, you know, I'm trying to watch something visual. I, mm-hmm. You know, I'm not, it, it's just I had a problem with the slice of life. And I would have taken a slice of life. It was just a little bit too long. But um, I'm sorry if I'm, I, I don't mean to like, crap all over this movie i think there's elements that do work i think there's a lot of great production stuff that i definitely want to talk about when we will um but you know as we're dissecting the story first that's my issues with it It it's a simple story that's the thing um because this book it's so internal dialogue and just how elio is living his life from day to day and how he's thinking about things and his inner it goes so beautifully in depth of his inner desire towards oliver and his internal conflict that's like is oliver thinking of me what do i think of myself thinking this way about oliver like he you can read his whole conflicting mental thought train as one would when going into his first love his first homosexual act and uh, it's like you're following this thought train. It's actually very beautifully written, but it doesn't. That does not translate as well on screen, unfortunately. Yeah, and it's not to say like you know we'll talk about the acting. What they were able to bring to the role truly was amazing. You know, I think they captured both the characters really well, and they made it. They did make it believable. So it's not to say that they there was any bad acting. It's just no different than if I saw a home video of some other person that I didn't know about. I'm sure it has a lot of meaning for them, mm-hmm. honestly, for me. Um, let's, uh, before we move on to the more technical side of things, um, what sort of message do you ultimately walk away with? Because we get that scene, um, and, and it's a, from what I've read, it's a small portion of what the ultimate dialogue is between the father and the son. Um, which I thought was still very powerful in the movie. 
And then we get that scene. We end it there with essentially heartbreak. Yeah. So, yeah, I was very conflicted as to what the message of the movie was because it ended on such a down note. I was like, oh, damn. It is a downer of a film, the way it ended. Uh, I appreciated the father scene because the the conversation with the father at the end is almost word for word that it is in the book. This is one of the moments where they were actually, like, true to the original source. Um, I appreciate it because in such a day and age where homosexuality is more acceptable and um, and you take this back in the 70s of the story that like it was originally supposed to be, um, it is taboo. And But if you bring it to today's age and it's more sex- acceptable and the parents are accepting and even the father, coming from a father accepting um homosexuality and and like who his son really is it speaks volumes for just anyone from like a parent to a child or just a parent to anyone in general um i think it was such a moving message because in the entire book elio is completely conflicted with his feelings and he he keeps telling himself he knows it's wrong he knows it's wrong um but when his father tells him it's okay at the end like it wraps up the entire story like okay he's not wrong you know it kind of has a beautiful message at the end that like your your internal thoughts are sometimes wrong um and they but that didn't really translate as well on screen it was beautiful to watch on screen to see a father but it didn't hit as hard as it did in the book Mm -hmm. interesting yeah for me the the, not that it was sadistic but in a way the way uh, Elio is just sitting there and just credits her rolling as a final scene. And, and, and that's just you're just watching this guy literally in, in tears while life is happening in the back of him. And he knows he can't turn around because he doesn't want people to know or see. I, I was just floored from, wow. Yeah, wow. How, how he really felt towards Oliver. But also in the book... Had they kept going the, the 5, 10, 15 years afterwards, there, there are moments when Oliver keeps coming back and you can tell that they still clearly love each other. Although Oliver now has a family, he's married, he has a wife, he has two beautiful children. And like near the end of the book, um, Oliver's kids are near the age of what Elio was when Oliver and Elio first hooked up. So it's just like so many years have passed where it reflects on just who they are now as people. They're older, they're more wiser, and they're closer to the age of, or like the son, the the kids are closer to the age of what they were when they were younger, when they first started loving each other. But they're still in love. And that's what makes the ending of the story heartbreaking because Oliver and Elia are still like, call me by your name. Mm -hmm. Because they still clearly love each other. And in the movie, it just cuts off and be like okay he's now getting married well you know the the hard part from, from from the movie perspective what i thought they were going for early on was army hammer and all of you know his character oliver does a, such a such a wonderful job of inserting life into a, a, a well thoughtful kid and, and kid with a bright future but um, 
but just it invigorates life into him. That's why, you know, I think the dancing scene is so elongated and so forth is because that's where it seems like we're headed. And I thought the moral of the story was going to be, okay, we all have a first love. We lose out on that first love. But, hey, look at everything I've learned and gained. And I don't know if I'm left with that sense by the end of the movie. Like, that, that that's the direction things are pointing to. But him just in, in, in complete tears is not reminiscent of, okay, yeah, I lost and I'm unhappy, but I gained something. Mm-hmm. Right. Had they kept showing the continuation after they first split up, it's more heartbreaking to know that Oliver is still very much in love with Elio, even though Oliver started his own family and had his own kids and started a completely different new life without Elio. That's more heartbreaking, knowing that someone else moved on. A hundred percent. All right, so let's let's talk about more of the production side of things. First off, uh, development nightmare. I don't know if you know. Maybe you call it that. Maybe you won't. But it's been wanting to come to existence since uh, two thousand seven, when they first bought the rights, and this movie came out, or this book Correct. came out. So, in essence, so ten years, pretty much to the day. Yeah, that took a while, and we've talked about movies where it's gone through the hands of different directors, and and that that's also what I was thinking while watching this film. It is one long, simple film. You don't know where um, creative differences could have come into play because it is such a simple story so it, it's confusing of like where people might have had creative conflicts mm-hmm. well you know one of the one of the conflicts in general not necessarily creative but putting together a movie in italy is very costly uh, i don't know firsthand i've never tried to shoot in italy nor have i been to italy that many times to begin with but uh yeah, that that was their first hurdle. They they were just always set out looking for location. Now, uh, as a tangent to that, I thought what they got was a wonderful location. I, I rather enjoyed that. It, they originally wanted to purchase it as a house. Uh, they couldn't afford it, but you know they spent six weeks just decorating it out before they started shooting and, and made it feel like they all these people truly live there. Yeah, I mean, that, and like the house location that they picked was gorgeous. And you can definitely tell, and that, that goes with the story as well, that this is a family summer house that they all went and lived at and spent months at, at a time. And it looks gorgeous. It looks a beautiful, big, you know, type of villa. Um, it, it definitely got the, the feel of they they are wealthy. You can tell they, they live a luxurious somewhat luxurious type of life but they also enjoy life at the same time so absolutely and it's I, pretty is, is you know one of the things i appreciated um everyone was so tight-knit that uh, uh luca the director he would screen movies for the cast and, and crew and he would make uh you know food and such forth so mm-hmm. they really bonded over production um and in fact, uh, in particular, Army and Timote, um, Juliet. That's how you say his name, right? Juliet from the booth. <laughs> Look at that! <laughs> Get my French on. Um, they, 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 in particular, bonded, and 
and it reflected in the movie. And in fact, v- very rarely does it happen, but they shot the movie pretty much chronologically. Oh, yeah. I can believe that too because it is such a, and I think that helps with the performance and authenticity of a building budding relationship too. And I think that that worked well. You can tell that uh, they they were not. I don't want to say cold, but they were timid towards each other. They were kind of apprehensive at moments, but. Throughout the film, you do see those moments of progression of where they're starting to like open up to each other and then start to get more intimate with each other in yeah. the conversations and all that. Yeah, and it's kind of really incredible. Uh, they had Army Hammer in mind after the social network. Um, they just absolutely fell in love with him. And, you know, in, in a sense, you could say that uh, these movies came out a lot later, but he knew he was going to be able to pull it off because he's played homosexual characters before, twice before. Um, but never never has either one of them been as intimate, quote-unquote, as as this time around in terms of, you know, just having to go for it. Yeah, and like, and I, I appreciate that they, you know, went to certain lengths as actors because... They the moments when they finally did start kissing and like and then ultimately having sex and stuff that that's what also happens in the book too. There there are moments where they had to build up to each other. Mm-hmm. Well, um, also touching upon speaking of sexuality, one of one of the major scenes that people are talking about is the pitted peach scene, mm-hmm. and uh, according to Dowsum. A peach represents virginity and so forth, um, and they sort of knew that 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 it was a metaphor for sexual impulses and energy, but that in essence it would be too explicit. Well, Timote and uh, Luca, they were very nervous about the scene. They had their reservations, and each of them, this is what it is, quote. So I'm not. Each of them tested the method themselves and then agreed that it worked. Now I don't know what that means. Dig it for what it's what it, whatever you want to interpret it as, but mm. I just found that quite interesting. Okay, I mean it was interesting to watch on screen. Not gonna lie, and we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it. But it's also it's in the book, so like I did like that they did keep true to the scene because this reading about it is way more graphic than what we actually saw on screen. I bet. Like you're getting first hand account. On on screen is let me tell you, it's very dialed down than what it is in the book. And uh like Ellie was just thought trained when he's you know, you know, masturbating ter- towards this peach. He's thinking of Oliver, but he's thinking of like all these things of like he's imagining it's Oliver and just you can take it from there and what you will but it's it's way more graphic, but it's done not in like a, a gr- gratuitous way, but it's just it, this is how Oliver, not sorry, this is how Elio is thinking. He at this moment in the book, he's still very conflicted with his emotions, and he's torn because you see the moment when Oliver actually uh, goes to him after he just done it, and he he starts crying because he is so torn with his emotions and conflicted, and he still thinks that this. Like loving another man is wrong. Yeah, and in fact, uh, one of our fans asked in the chat. So if you're ever watching live, you can always chat with us. Um, if you're not live, just comment. That's fine. He, he, you know, why would why would Oliver marry a woman? That's just mean to the woman. Well, mm-hmm. I don't disagree 
However, I also think um, what you know, one of my issues with this movie is they didn't play with that idea that as a as a gay person, you're not at that time you're not really accepted, and there's you know you have to fit this social norm. You know, I, I, the amount of stories that were TV shows or movies that we've sort of talked about where you know the wife is married to a gay person and she finds out right you know, we, and, we, we've done it lots of times so this, this is no different i mean that's a fair question to ask but also in the movie you don't ever see the wife she's she's not a key player in the book you only see her maybe once and that was when uh oliver and his now family is visiting um elio's family She's also not a key player. She's not important. The the more important thing is the I think the bigger question is why would Oliver be married, start family when he's still in love with Elio? That's the bigger question. And I think it's just uh Oliver's perspective is that yeah, he he there's a side to him that he he loves Elio. There like he has a place in his heart. But he's also, in a way, he's bi. He, he, he does love this woman as well, has a family, but there's a secret side to Oliver that he can't reveal to his family that he's in love with the man as well. Mm-hmm. And Come. it's not towards, and that's not being cruel to the woman. The, the, the family is just the minor blip in, in the story. You don't even see the family in the movie. You hardly see the family in the book either. Well, that is interesting you say it like that because I would have liked to see elements of that in the movie. You know, I think I think there's a lot of things we're getting a very surface view of of who these people are, mm-hmm. uh, and I would like to dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, it would have been great to see it in the movie because when we have Elio's breakdown and the credits start rolling, that would be way more earned and way more understandable why it's so heartbreaking at the end, knowing that Oliver has now a family yep. and a new life without Elio. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as Mr. Perlman, right? Uh, I know we talked about the scene from a story standpoint, but from a production standpoint, uh, he didn't start reading the the book until he joined production. And he just he just spent so many months to prepare that scene, and he wanted to make it as simple as possible. Um, and in fact, from a production standpoint, they, they want to do as little steps as possible and, and let them just do the scene. I think that's great. And Michael Stolberg, I mean, he's a great actor. He's been in like three of the most recent films that we've talked about here on Anatomy. So it's it's great that he he's you know having a really good, solid year in movies. I think he's great. Uh, I think he played such a believable, lovable dad, especially in the moment where Elliot needed a male figure in his life because right now the only guy that Elliot was paying attention to is Oliver he loses Oliver he really doesn't have another man just to look forward to or confide in and and ultimately enough he gets it from his father who gives him the most supportive word ever so I, I think it was such that was an amazing moment one of my favorite moments in the film yeah there's there's I don't know controversy is the right word, but there's a lot of pushback, let's say, against that scene because uh, from American critics, at least, they're saying that it's too too easy, if you will. And it's like, okay, well, not every parent has to storm off being like, I can't believe my kid's gay. 
Mm-hmm. And so the fact that we're in that mindset and we have to argue against it's like, no, this is this could very well be an honest reaction to something like this. And just because it doesn't mesh with your preconceived notions, F off. You know? Right. So uh so I don't have as far as anything goes, as any problems that I've laid out, I certainly don't have a problem with this. No, no. And even just the character of Elio, he hid, quote unquote, his relationship with Oliver from his parents, from his friends, from everybody. And but uh, I love it when the parent came back like, I know what you two were doing. It's okay. You know, and like we're not gonna judge you, we're still gonna love you. It's like any kid would want uh, acceptance from their parents no matter what kind of relationship you're in yeah absolutely um now this uh this movie kind of completes the trilogy of um of the director's what he calls thematic desire trilogy starting with i am love in 2009 a bigger splash have you seen any of those i have not i've not actually either so um and it's the trilogy is purely thematic. It's not like these actually intertwine mm-hmm. in, any, in any sense. Um, but he liked it because it, this in particular was not a not aggressive and simple approach. Um, the most calm movie he has in particular made about desire. And it is very much about desire, isn't it? Yeah, this, this whole book, this internal desire of Elio towards Oliver... Every single paragraph is him wanting Oliver in some shape or form. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about uh, cinematography, shall we? Because, um, so, the, uh, I am going to butcher this name. Seambo Muk Dipor. Okay. I, I, I am so sorry okay. that I just literally butchered your name. But they've literally, they've uh, collaborated in the past, and uh, he he read the novel in particular, and he spent time walking around the locations, get a feel for everything, and, and to see how the color and the light changed during the day, and that would input his data. He felt lighting was an important factor, and it needed to be engaged with the characters in order to capture the nor- northern Italian summer. He created a completely artificial light due to the heavy rains that apparently lasted the entire shoot, which is ironic because... Such a sunny shoot. Yeah. <laughs> in the summer. Uh, well, the movie, yeah, the movie is just beautiful. It's, it's bright. It's bright. It's gorgeous. It's, you know, it's Italy. Um, you, you would not have thought that at all. I, I thought the look of this film was actually pretty, um, especially when they went on their bike rides and they went to go swim in lakes and stuff. Like, just the, the natural location of where they are. Um, it was pretty and gorgeous to look at. So I appreciated that they did go on location. Location usually always looks better. And um, and j- just the color palette. It was warm and soft throughout the entire film. You would not think it is. it has such a kind of depressing end. Just no. looking at the vivid brightness of this overall movie. Yeah, and I'm wondering, I'd have to rewatch it if there's any shift in tone as things go by. I mean, I guess granted, I, I can't even say it because I, I was going to say like towards the end when, when, when he's leaving, you know, it's at night and there's a lot of night scenes. But to the same token, there's a lot of night scenes before that anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think probably one of the more grayer, saturated scenes is when they are both 
uh, when they go on their trip to, to Rome and they're by themselves and it's near the, the moment where they have to actually part their ways. Um, that's, that's where it was more, more saturated, more sad. But it reflects the emotions of like knowing that you eventually have to part with a loved one. Yeah, and you know, in I, I do applaud them because uh, at a lot of these various locations that they actually wanted to get, they only had like thirty minutes because of security reasons to to get everything that they needed. So uh, when you're shooting with one lens, I guess that that is the advantage is that you can shoot overall pretty fast. Because mm-hmm. uh, thirty minutes that. If I was a producer on this movie, I'd be like, well, that's not even enough time to set up, <laughs> right. let alone rehearse and anything. But they did it, so kudos to them. Yeah, it's a good, fast turnaround. And, like, the principal photography only lasted, like, 32, 34 days. So that's that's essentially a month. That's it. Indeed. Indeed. Um, well, it worked out well. Um, as far as the the initial cut... Uh, this this movie clocks in over two hours, give or take. Two hours, twelve minutes. And the initial cut was well over four hours. So we did cut down a lot, but I can't imagine how much stuff they actually still shot or or, or left uncut. Uh, quite interesting to me. Again, I'm of the mindset. I think you could have cut out thirty minutes and made this far far stronger movie yeah 30 40 minutes if you really wanted to because this and we talk about films where are really short but feel long or films that are really long but feel short this was a long movie that felt long longer longer than what it really should be and 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 i think that's just a testament of watching them literally live their days and like in and out of their days it's just like editing could have helped just with the pacing because it is such a simple story, that doesn't mean we have to keep watching every single move that they do. And it's also, too, like, if you're going to be in the spirit of anything, right, the book is, what, just barely over 200 pages? It's 248 pages. That's a very fast read overall. It is. Right? And so keep that spirit. Be in and out. Yeah. So uh, I think that... It, honestly, I really think this movie could have been that much better if you just cut down on some of the stuff. Um, yeah, and that's also the, like, and I don't want to say problem, but that is the the creative problem with this film is that because the book is so internal dialogue heavy of certain scenes, certain moments, uh, Elio's just going on for pages about literally one minute of his life, which pads the book. But that does not pad the film. So what pads the film is when we watch Elio and Oliver get on the bikes and ride away for three minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, that pads the film. Absolutely. Um, well, And, you know, yeah, I, I, I applaud them for what they were able to capture because it did look amazing. And especially if you kind of look at it, their budget was... I don't want to say slash, but initially they wanted about twelve million, and they got down to about three point five million dollars, which nothing to sneeze at by any means. But yep. um, they were able to do it a, a good job with it, and I think here's the thing: Pe- people are like loving it, so I don't I don't want to knock that, but I just think um, it, you know, I, I it just always hurts me when I see that it could have been better. Yeah. You know? And if you think about it, the production, they're really in only a handful of places. 
the majority of the story in the book it happens at that mansion that they're at. Um, we saw so many scenes of them at the poolside. We saw so many scenes in the actual, in the house, in their bedrooms and all that. So we saw the different locations there. Every once in a while we went to the lake that they swam at or the, the party outside or or to Rome and they traveled, quote unquote. But, I mean, it's not a lot of production, just a few locations. And that is your essentially your entire film. Yeah. But to that point. You know, going back to the early development days, you had to find that right location. Mm-hmm. So the, the the real job was ensuring that you had that amazing landscape, and they did. Um, also, kudos to them. Uh, so they premiered pretty much this time last year in January of 2017 at the Sundance Film Festival. Now, before that release, they already had U.S. distribution rights with uh, that with a $6 million buyout from Sony Picture Classics. So kudos to them. And they just then, henceforth, they rode the festival circuit, the Berlin International Film Festival, Toronto, New York Film Fest. And um, by November 24th, it had a limited release in, in the U.S. and then it expanded, you know, on the 15th and further on the 22nd in the U.S. And so yeah. this movie... For all intents and purposes, it has had a long shelf life. Most movies don't live in the public consciousness right. that long. And admittedly, I didn't really hear about the story or film until like the end of last year. Um, I didn't realize it's already been out for basically a year at Sundance already. Sundance just happened <laughs> of this year, of 2018. So um, the fact that it's already been out for a year and people are now only really talking about it um, they're definitely trying to make that that Academy Oscar push, hence the end of 2017. And, but that's uh, the fact that Army Hammer is not nominated. Right. Insane. But Timothy Chalamet <coughs> is. Uh, it, it's it's definitely interesting too. But uh, like, and I can understand the they're they're pushing for it. It is a dramatic story. Academy loves tragic stories as well. Um, and they also like book adaptations. See, if Army Hammer cried at the end, then he would be nominated. I know. See, that was the problem. Probably. Or had they shown Oliver's actual family life after the relationship, he could have been nominated. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But I do appreciate, you know, a movie like this takes on a far greater meaning. Uh, the teaser in itself was uh, was released to celebrate National Coming Out Day in October um, and obviously, as as things move towards a better, all-encompassing direction here in the U.S., at least, I can't speak for other countries, um, I'm sure this movie will sort of be touted well. And that mm-hmm. I I have no problem with that. I appreciate when a movie is able to, to help spread a certain message. Yeah, I mean, the performances are great. I think what this film is lacking is the technical side of it. Um, cinematography is fine. Editing could use some mark. Yeah, that's that's the final thing. Yeah, Just needed really that. Good. And I do, you know, I do applaud them that that single lens. Um, I thought it was an interesting technique, and I, but I, I do think it does work. It draws me into it, and I appreciate to see. Like obviously, it has to work um, based on the production design aspect of it. But they have such a beautiful production aspect, and everywhere you look in that frame is something beautiful to look at. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's just sometimes I'm looking at it too long and <laughs> too anyway. Long. I apologize. I apologize. I know I'm I'm being a little bit hard on the movie. All right. Um pure numbers right now, uh worldwide total of about uh twenty two million. So when you compare that to the budget, that's great. Yeah, that is. And uh also a per theater average of about a hundred thousand, just over a hundred thousand. That's amazing. Um, that's the highest average since La La Land and the best per screen average uh, since Brokeback Mountain for a gay movie, quote unquote. Uh, 96% on Rotten Tomatoes from 255 critics. Uh, it offers melancholy, powerfully affecting portrayal of first love, and empathy, empathetically acted mm. by the two of them. So, Agreed. Yeah. I mean, agreed. I mean, the, the acting was fine it's it's great that i mean they're they're go they're both getting praised timothy chalamet a little bit more than uh than army hammer unfortunately but yeah i mean they're both solid actors for for the two of them i think this film was more lacking on the technical side yeah all right well that about does it for our breakdown of this movie call me by your name my name is phil (laughs) Uh, as, as mentioned at the top of the show, you are welcome to comment, let us know your thoughts and opinions, and if you just do the, us that one big favor, spread the word about us. Um, we get it. You don't see every movie. That's okay. We don't ask you to. But if you do, check back in with us or recommend us to other people who have seen particular movies, so that way they can perhaps enjoy us too. Yeah. And in the meantime, where can they interact with you and borrow your book? <laughs> Everyone can follow me at Serafini TV. And if you haven't read Call Me By Your Name, the book, do it. It's great. And uh, my name is Phil Svitek. Thank you guys as always. Um, if you love books and movies, Marissa and I are actually doing a series called Adapted over on the Popcorn Talk. Popcorn. Pop- the book circle online. Yeah, what the hell am I? <laughs> We're on Popcorn Talk. But yes, we do a series for Book Circle Online called Adapted. Uh, this month, we're comparing Silence of the Lambs, the book, to the, the movie. Now, you wonder why we would do that. Well, because it's the anniversary of the movie coming out in February. In February. So, uh, anyway, as far as anatomy is concerned, we're finishing out our run of Oscar contenders. We're doing Phantom Thread, three billboards just next week. And of course, then moving forward, we'll also we'll we'll kind of complete the run, but we'll get into like the Black Panthers. We'll do Game Night and newer movies that are coming out. So fun ones. And of course, there's plenty of movies in our collective history that you guys can check out. Uh, you want to see another great Army Hammer movie, uh, Free Fire? We talked about it. Yeah. Um, here on Anatomy, there's that's- also Nocturnal Animals. And we also just covered uh, Lady Bird, who Timothy Chalamet was also in as well. See? We come full circle. We have. All right. Thank you guys as always. We'll see you next time on another Anatomy of a Movie. Bye. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.